As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome into Power Hour. This is a special episode that's also cross-posting as Wide Right with Manny Navarro, and he is leading the conversation. I'm Nicole Auerbach, and we are breaking down what happened at the ACC spring meetings this week in Amelia Island. A lot of talk, a lot of rumors, um, and a lot of conversation about seven schools that have explored whether or not the grant of rights is airtight and they might have opportunities to get out of the ACC to close the meetings, uh, ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips did address the league's future, and he said what he's been told is that we're all in this together emphatically. Manny and I break down what exactly we learned this week and where this is all going in college sports. Because obviously it was a big week for the ACC. Um, we've heard a lot about the Magnificent Seven and how they want to break apart from the ACC, and in the end you've done a lot of reporting for us at The Athletic on the fact that nothing really is happening other than there might be a little bit more revenue sharing. I guess you cover the big 10. That's a conference that I think Miami is kind of hoping comes calling for them one day. Um, Let's get your take just on the news and what happened in Amelia Island. Yeah. So I think, you know, we certainly saw a lot of uh, attention there (laughs) Uh, and in a lot of, um, I think, you know, anxiety spikes, right, when there's stuff out there and schools are specifically named. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you had Whit Babcock, like, specifically, uh, you know, kind of confirmed the schools that were out there as those seven um, in a conversation with David Teal from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. And so we do know those are the schools. He also said that he feels like it was overblown as, like, something that was organized, like, as, like, mm-hmm. kind of a voting block, which is also my read on the situation. Never heard anyone use that term, Magnificent Seven, right? right? Like, I think there are schools that have certainly had their lawyers looking at this. And I think Jim Phillips saying that that's not unusual or not, like, raising an alarm bell is probably the right approach to this because we've all wondered this for two years. Since mm-hmm. the day Oklahoma and Texas went to the SEC, everyone's wondered, okay, how airtight is this grant of rights? And it's fascinating to me because you know obviously we all talk about like how the revenue gap is going to grow for the big 10 sec schools and the acc schools but also if this grant of rights actually ends up keeping everyone in the league to 2036 then it actually also works right because 
it was supposed to be really airtight after Marilyn left. And that's a very interesting dynamic about stability versus, you know, that revenue gap. So um, I think ultimately, you know, we're, we're in a world now where people are grumbling Mm -hmm. and there's going to be this underlying tension, especially for schools that believe that they could have opportunities in those two richest leagues. But we just don't know. I mean, it's still possible that someone ultimately does sue and challenge this grant of rights in court, someone or someone's plural, right? That's why the seven number is interesting. Um, not maybe not everyone would do it, but could, would, would multiple schools do it? Um, don't know exactly, you know, where or how and how people feel about this. Uh, you know, one source put it to me this way that if this was a simple process, everyone would have already done it, right? They would have already challenged the grant of rights. So I think we're still in that same place that we know people are, annoyed that they're not going to make as much money as their peers. And we know that certain schools believe that they're more valuable than others. Mm -hmm. And so we'll see about this adjustment to revenue distribution model, where if you are Clemson and Florida state and you're thinking that you're carrying the league from a football standpoint, you're having more success on the field and you get to eat what you kill a little bit more the way that like Gonzaga has in the WCC with their basketball tournament money, um, then I think, you know, we'll see. I don't think it's necessarily going to stop anyone if they do get a phone call and they have an opportunity to go to the SEC or the Big Ten. But I think for now, you know, you certainly threw your weight around a little bit and you're getting you're getting something right. You're getting a little bit of an acknowledgement that that people are bringing different things to this league or different value to this league. Um, And it's a new revenue stream for the expanded playoff. Right. So for that in particular, you know, maybe people are going to feel okay with that, that it's more performance based. Yeah. I talking to the people at Miami, obviously I cover the hurricanes quite a bit for us. Um, you know, they went to the final four it was a huge year for them. Obviously they're trying to build something with Mario Cristobal. It was a rough football season, but from a basketball standpoint and, and an athletic department standpoint, they feel good about the direction of the program as a whole. NIL's picked up. They've got a bunch of kids they've had under contract that have come to the university of Miami because of the NIL. Um, so in a lot of ways, they hope to become that attractive program for the Big Ten or the SEC. From a Miami perspective, I personally feel that the best conference for them is the Big Ten, especially from an academic standpoint. I know you brought up the AAU. Um, yeah. So yeah. just for if you know if people aren't aware, because this was something that like I think Big Twelve fans were learning about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the classification um, right. for it's uh, it's like an academic. Um, uh, what is the initials? We should have looked this up. We should have looked it up beforehand, but it's okay. It's, we, um, yes. But it's a collection of schools that are, you know, committed to whatever levels of, you know, research universities. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Big Ten has only ever brought in AAU schools. Uh, right now, Nebraska is not an AAU member. It lost that accreditation, but it was when they got added. So USC and UCLA are both AAU schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is very important to the university presidents in this right. league. Like that, that level of academic uh, prestige so that when you're associating these schools with each other, um, and also maybe there's research and things that go across campuses, but just that that is something that's very important. I know fans are always like when we kind of play this game and you're divvying yeah. up schools and which one makes more sense where, yeah. but that is that could definitely be a factor for any potential Big Ten expansion. Yeah, and I think from Miami, you know, the academic standards, obviously being in the ACC, being a member there, it, it matters to them as well. Yeah. Um, because I know Miami fans watching this are saying, well, I th- we think we'd fit better in the SEC where, where we're located and all that kind of stuff. But when you start trying to project down the road, right, like what might happen and what might eventually lead to future expansion, first of all, you've already mentioned the TV contract. It runs through 2036. We had this conversation off air. What makes sense to me is the next time 
we may actually reach a conversation that makes sense for any of this movement to take place is 2030, which is when the Big Ten's contract has to be renewed. Yep. At which point, in my opinion, they have to be motivated. I mean, they're already at 16 teams with uh, UCLA and USC. Um, for the SEC, does it make sense at all? No, it really doesn't to me, right? They've got the Southeast lockdown. They've got all the best teams. So to me, it's almost as if, for Miami anyway, it's sort of big tender bust if they're going to get into a new conference. Um, do you agree with that? What's, what's sort of your opinion on you know, what makes the most sense? So I think in general, the timing that you're thinking does make a lot of sense as as we look for like inflection points. I mean, obviously, everyone's still keeping tabs on the Big 12 and the Pac-12 dynamics, because until the Pac-12 signs a media deal and a grant of rights and stabilizes, mm-hmm. like we're going to have that conversation on a regular basis because we know the Big 12 wants to be aggressive. Um, so again, when you're looking, okay, like does the PAC 12 stabilize and kind of stay together and then sign a short ish term deal? Well, then things might be fine for a few years mm-hmm. here. Um, I mean, again, if someone sues the ACC or challenges this grant of right and breaks open a whole new set of schools for people that are suddenly available that are not available right now, then it's a different conversation. Right. But we have seen a lot of this movement, the big ones in these recent years, right ahead of the media deal. So that makes sense, right? Because mm-hmm. you're going to market and you're saying like, this is what we have. This is where we bring value in our inventory and rivalries and how this works. Um, so I do think there is a very good chance that, you know, PAC 12 stabilizes itself, stays whole as a mm-hmm. PAC 12. Um, and then signs a relatively short term deal grant of rights. And then we kind of have these conversations in a couple of years when the big 10 is, is doing their media deal again. The SEC's deal is also going to come up again before the ACC. I think, right? Yeah. Um, well it's, it, that would be around the negotiating time, but mm-hmm. I think it's, um, 2024 to 34, if okay. I'm remembering right, right a 10 right. year deal, but th- th- that's, that's where things are going to get dicey and uncomfortable mm-hmm. because we already know those leagues are going to bring in a lot more money than the ACC by the end of the decade, mm-hmm. but then they're going to negotiate again and that number will go up again. So that's where like it, it, the angst will grow. Right. Yeah, and I think, you know, for the Miami fans and the other ACC fans who are hoping to see movement or, or, or sort of had their fingers crossed that something might come of these meetings in, in Amelia Island, again, you just have to think about this logically. Like, nobody's going to pay those exit fees right now, right? I well, mean, I'm just, not even sure what the number would be. We don't right, know, right? right? Because, you know, to get your own rights to be able to broadcast a home game, that's what's tied in the grant of rights. Right. So we, we could say it's $120 million dollars exit fee Mm -hmm. but then what would it cost to actually get those the rights to your own games again the media rights um that's the question so it's it's very complicated to not know what the dollar figure is and then to also feel like i'm sure miami fans feel that 2036 is really far away right looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. The whole point of why I'm bringing up the whole 2030 is the exit fee will be obviously less financially. I mean, yes, just do closer the math. to the end of the deal, closer yeah. to the end of the deal. And then also you're going to have a motivating factor on the other side, right? Because just because Clemson and Florida State want out doesn't mean they've got anybody wanting to take them right now. Right. So this is uh, someone put it to me like this, like a chicken and the egg situation, right? Mm-hmm. So like they would want to get out of the ACC to get to another league, but then to get to the other league, they would need to know that they could get out of the ACC. Right. So if you don't know either thing and you can't really do this, how does that work? Which, which one comes first? And, you know, there's so much money at stake in the way that these processes work. Mm-hmm. Um, who calls who first? How, you know, whatever, right? There's a reason these things were very clandestine and like, kind of jumped out and got dumped on the college football world. Um, So I think that's part of this. And then also, like you mentioned, I mean, these are two leagues that aren't even at 16 yet. Mm -hmm. Are they going to, is that going to work for them? You know, or, or are they going to say, you know, it does make more sense to go to 20 or whatever it is and structure ourselves differently. Um, I think another concern about if you're, you know, paying attention from the big 10 or the sec standpoint is, what size is too big? First of all, like, it could just be a little bit unwieldy, but also at some point there will be a size where you're going to attract a lot of lawsuits like the NCAA is right. from like a collusion antitrust issue. And depends who you talk to. Like it's 20, that number where suddenly you're going to be mm-hmm. that subject and there's a bullseye on your back. So these are all factors that are going to play into whether or not these leagues continue to expand. And then also for, let's say in the ACC, part of the reason that like, this would be a major, like, you know, the, it would just break open another round of realignment if the ACC schools were available, is because both of those leagues would be interested in some of the same schools. Yes. So right now, there's no pressure point. Like, if we know Oregon and Washington would want to go to the Big Ten, but the Big Ten and their media partners don't see enough value there, there's nothing saying, like, well, you have to do it now because otherwise the SEC is going to scoop us up. But with the ACC schools, you could see one of these leagues getting into a point where they go, well, no, we need to make a move so that this school doesn't go to the SEC or that this school doesn't go to the Big Ten. That's another pressure point that could happen at some point. So realistically, as we kind of try to summarize some of this up, as much as we may be talking about, you know, ACC teams being unhappy, unless the Big Ten or the SEC wants them to begin with, and B has a reason to add them. Yes. I mean, it's all kind of silly, right? I mean, this is... this this. That's what realignment here? is, though. I mean, we have we always end up having these conversations that could, about things that could never happen. Right. Or could. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's it, these are all... And especially, like, this is something I think of, too, because the math to expand and to add different members in the past, like, let's say about Rutgers in Maryland or whatever, right? Like, mm-hmm. 
you were doing it for different reasons because you were getting into certain markets and like getting part of the cable package for Big Ten Network. But also like the number that you had to hit to bring in a school to say like you're at least worth this per year was right. lower. Now the number is really high. Like it has mm-hmm. to be there's not many schools that actually would like pay for themselves. Right. right. So there, it, it does have to be other reasons like, you know, are you like, OK, well, we've got, you know, New Jersey, Maryland. We want to go in Virginia, North Carolina. Do you want to get into Florida for recruiting reasons and for footprint reasons or, you know, population reasons? Right. Mm-hmm. And more people moving down south like you have to calculate all of that and your media partners need to decide that whatever it is, is valuable enough. So that's why it's really hard to project these things. Yeah. And I, and I would say to, um, you know, the the other mitigating factor in this, right. Is the TVs, the, uh, the cable networks, right? Like ESPN for them, it, it, it makes perfect sense having the sec, the quote unquote, number one league. Right. And then having, keeping the ACC together as is, cause that's maybe, when you think of beyond the power two, that's the next best league, right? You could certainly make that. Well, and if you think about it that way too, I mean, they also, part of the reason that we have this angst, right. Is because they're like, well, you know, we're not getting paid that much. It's a long-term deal, 20 year deal. Well, that's a great deal for the ACC then. Right. For ESPN. Yeah. I'm sorry for ESPN. Yeah. Because if we're saying if the ACC schools are like, no, we're, we're worth more. Yeah. Well then why would ESPN change how much they're paying out when they don't have to. They agreed to a contract and it's a good deal for them because of the inventory that they get and the brands that they get. There's no reason that they would need to volunteer to pay more. Right. Which to me is why ultimately the key to this all is whether or not the big 10 wants Wants to to do more, wants to do this, wants to expand because in all reality, um, let's just assume for a second that college football state status quo, which is Georgia, Alabama and the teams in the South win the national championship probably seven out of every eight years, right? Every now and then we may get a Michigan or Ohio State that breaks through. Well, what what could potentially push the Big Ten to want to expand, right? They've already got a great TV deal. I think it would be adding a team in the South who could help them beat. I mean, that that could be a compelling reason, right? Right. Like, or combined with other reasons, right? Right. I I think that's why, like, it's just, it's so hard to know. And I think that's, but that's also why, like, when you look at Florida State and Miami, they're in that group of seven, right? Like right. these are both schools that are interested in seeing what else is out there and believe that they could be worth more or could be mm-hmm. in a league that is more financially secure and are worried that they'll both fall behind right. if they're making $30 million less per year, year over year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would build on itself. So I, I think that's a that's a valid point. I hadn't thought about that one. Yeah. But I think that coupled with, again, like the population, the way the population is shifting in the country, these could be reasons that end up factoring in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also just don't know you know, a couple of years from now, what the next main thing is, right? Like we talk about value, brand value. Like, can you get people to pay for a streaming package mm-hmm. for games? You know, like the big 10 is going to have these games on Peacock or basketball games on Peacock. Um, but again, like the last 10 years ago, it was, we never saw this coming, right? <laughs> yeah, no. And it was like, Oh, markets like, Oh, yeah. we got to be in this city or we got to be in the, so it's like the, the main priority has changed in different rounds of realignment too. But I do think back to your point about positioning yourself behind the big 10 and the sec. I think a lot of people are jockeying for that spot right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about like the big 12 and the confidence that they project the, their interest again in continuing to expand or potentially thinking they can get PAC 12 schools, which we don't know if that's going to happen yet. They're trying to position themselves to be the third to be the strongest. Third yeah. yeah. And so I thought that was another interesting thing that came out of the meetings in Amelia Island was Jim Phillips and also Michael offered a, at FSU, like specifically saying like we bring in the third most amount of money and like we know that there's a gap and we need to close it and look for new revenue streams and look at these things. But 
like we don't want to drop below that. Like we're still in a better position essentially than these other yeah. two leagues. A lot of times you kind of got to cut your losses, right? And say, well, it's better than being the fourth or fifth best. Conference. Right. Right. So yeah. it's, it's, it's very interesting. And especially, um, you know, for a league that, you know, it's you're wrestling between your identity as basketball historically with football investment. Um, the fact that like of those seven schools, North Carolina's there, but not Duke, right? Mm -hmm. Like imagining a world without those two in the same conference. So there's so many different interesting wrinkles here. Um, and so I guess I'm not surprised that this all kind of boiled over became public this way. Um, and it sounded like people had some really hard conversations. Yeah. Nicole, thanks for coming on and chatting with me. I know it's a very busy time. We're here in Chicago having our athletic meetings, but uh, thanks for the time and explaining it to our ACC fans, uh, exactly your perspective and providing your insights. Yeah, anytime. And that will do it for this episode of Power Hour and Wide Right with Nicole Auerbach and Manny Navarro. We'll see you next time.